Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Bavna, what would you do? Is the, is the situation. So you're in a meeting. So you're part of this meeting. It's about hiring. And the colleagues in this meeting agree that the most qualified candidate is a trans woman, but worry about how clients will respond to her. What would you do? What would you say? So for me, the first thing that comes up is, well, for me, it's for, as long as you've got the, um, the most talented and the most suitable person in the role that's first and foremost in terms of how the clients or how some clients may perceive that Mm -hmm. so again on the questioner so i would i'd probably um ask again what makes what where where would this be coming from you know have there been any instances where you doubt what um what clients would be thinking about our selection but also, I think it would also be an opportunity whereby, I mean, you know, if we, if I'm involved in the selection criteria for hiring, then, um, yeah, first and foremost, it's it's the most suitable person, most qualified person for a job. But also, if there's an element, if there's a factor of someone being transgender and how that's put out there, in terms of clients, it would be a case of okay, well, how are we seen as an organisation? And I know lots of organisations, um, you know, they um, are they champion. Um, the transgender community and so it would if anything it would be seen as a company being very forward-thinking and being very inclusive and so uh, if anything it would be seen in a positive light yeah that's how I would probably see that so it's basically yes it's the first and foremost is that is the right person for a job but if it so happens that this individual is transgender then that would be almost a bonus the comfort from the organization because they're, they're especially if it's a role which is client facing external stakeholders because they're representing the, the organization whenever there's a role where it includes um managing external stakeholders you're always representing that company and if you're of, of um, a transgender um identity then it's literally a case of you're still doing your job but the fact of the matter is that you're also you're also representing an extension of that company so your company is being seen as inclusive yeah oh, beautiful love that i was thinking the same the first question i'd ask is well what are the values of our company like what are our values and like speak to that because it's, which is essentially similar 
Um, what are our values? Our values are what we stand for. Um, and you would think that that is the reason why you have customers, because let's face it, most companies are not um, monopolies. Most companies have competitors. And there's particular reasons why people go with one company versus another company. So, and often that's your values and whether you live by your values. Mm -hmm. So if your company has the values of inclusivity, equality, um, fairness, diversity, whatever quality speak to having representation in the company, then I imagine that comment would be very strange to hear in that context, right? But I would say whoever said that, I'd be like, oh, where, where does that comment come from? Like, what were you thinking could happen? It's also quite a sensitive one because, again, you're, if you're in a group and this is part of a selection conversation, there's a group yeah. of people, and if it's come from one person, you also need to be careful about the approach, about how you feedback to that one person because we don't want to, again, it's, it's a case of not necessarily wanting to put them on the spot um, because at the end of the day, workplaces may be... be ideally are a safe place where you can yeah i'm not saying well if they've obviously felt safe enough to say that yeah that's true so they've said it so you know you're asking well does anybody else have concerns about that you would probably put it out to everybody there not just that person anybody else concerned about that and 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 even just that question may have other people speaking to um why it's not a problem saying things like what you just said or if they have concerns they'd also voice it and you can address it but I'm imagining if that person's comfortable saying that, then they've already, they've already got an environment that feels like a safe space to bring up your opinions. Um, it is, I, but it definitely comes in on the representation and inclusion, so which is very important. So Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. things companies have those, um, uh, when it comes to the interview process, you normally have that selection criteria where as a candidate, or interview is you have to tick boxes yeah well that's why they're there so you don't exactly why it's there because yeah. the company would hopefully use that information yeah. to those um yeah so you're not so you're eliminating things like unconscious bias exactly yeah. um but here is what it says it says why it matters it says it's inappropriate to speculate about how, how clients would respond to someone's gender identity just as it would be about their religious face or ethnicity Yes. True. If 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 it was a black person or an Indian person or Asian person or just a woman, oh, you know, she's the best candidate. But how would clients respond? Well, yeah, okay, it's not it's not appropriate legally, even. That's right, and also interesting how this is part of the what would you do section because just this week I've been um, applying for a few jobs, mm. contractor, and um, and I've had that question. Um, uh, put forward in applications about three times this week and on each of those occasions I've declined because it has no relevance for me being able to do the job you mean like tick the box of what you fit in ethnicity wise yes I totally get that feeling because I I do that as well I would tick other however the, the other side of that is they need to make sure that they hire a diverse Workforce. Yeah, right. So how are they going to know to do that if they don't know? I tend to I tend to consider. Okay, is this a boutique company that I'm applying for, or is this a big multinational global? And that's also what makes my um, decision mm. about that tick box issue. Well, 
Maybe oh. we should extend this, this conversation about the tick box section. Oh, don't even get started. Because that is a whole new kind of worms. But it's a really, it's valid for this particular podcast subject. It is. Let's talk about that. Take some time to that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I get, I don't even know what to tick. I get annoyed. I was part of that. But anyway, the event, another time. For our listeners, let's look out for a podcast which is dedicated to this tick, tick box. Yeah. So, as we said, it's inappropriate to speculate about how clients will respond to someone's gender identity, the same as it would be if it was about their religious faith or ethnicity. I guess you could, I'm just thinking another scenario like this I just made up in my head, a woman that wears a burqa, for example, that could be um, another example. But anyway, the discussion harms company culture because it could make it feel acceptable to discriminate against trans people or a woman wearing a burqa or a woman of colour or a man of colour or a specific face. Yeah. 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 So there is that. And then um, it says what you could do. So what you could do is you could remind the group that they all agreed that she was the most qualified candidate and push back against the idea that you should give up on the strongest hire. You can also point out to some of her specific qualifications and experience that fit the criteria for the role. All right, so I guess what it's saying is just it's it's not even telling you to go there. It's going the opposite of what we what we just talked about. It's saying just focus on skills and qualifications, which is the whole point. That's I guess what that's saying. I would do both actually. I would, I would do both. I would definitely champion the um, the factor of representation and how we look as an organisation, because especially as, you know, if, if the question's um, aimed in there or brought up in a selection criteria, that means it's human resources. And, you know, and every department um, contributes to um, what the values of a company are. Mm-hmm. And so being able to, as, as a HR individual in this scenario, um, you know, you're basically you're putting together groups based on their um, talents and suitability and skill set. Um, but also, um, you know, it'd be great to also positive bias be also be, be also aligning with the values as you've mentioned. So, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And why it happens? It says that transgender people often experience workplace mistreatment, including difficulties getting hired and promoted. This mistreatment is often due in part to concerns that clients and other employees, and this is actually something else, other employees, I remember a whole thing at the, my last workplace about wearing the rainbow lanyard. Okay, no, Rainbow lanyard to show your support for the LGBTQI plus community. And the discussion went whether you should have to wear it or not. But anyway, employees are also people to consider, not just other employees, or also people to consider, not just clients. Um, but this mistreatment is often due in part to concerns that the clients and other employees have negative attitudes towards transgender people. In this case, allowing such concerns to determine who gets hired results in discrimination against trans women. So basically, that's specific to trans women, but you could easily put in another minority in there. Yeah. A type of person. Um, like I mentor... Um, women who have experience of the criminal justice system. I'm, I'm a mentor as a, for a charity that I support, and they find it very difficult um, to find work, um, generally speaking, not so easy. So I can imagine this conversation about someone 
who has that background um how would clients respond but I mean client why would clients even need to know anyway um but I can imagine a similar conversation even if they were the best candidate yeah just thinking about it anyway I digress Yes, but it's an interesting one because it definitely opens up um, a broader topic, which I, I definitely think we should uh, look to cover and uh, devote more time to. Yeah, that would be great. Wonderful. So in this What Would You Do, the workplace scenario, we like workplace scenarios since so many of us spend so much time there. Be able to imagine you're in a debrief after a round of job interviews. So you're not being interviewed. You're a part of this committee debriefing, picking a candidate, right? You've been part of the interview process. Mm -hmm. And someone else says of a candidate that they, this candidate seemed a little OCD. So my question then to you is, what would you do? What would you do? What would you do? I smiled then, just then. Um, That brought a huge smile to my face. The reason being is because I have actually been in this situation. In real life. So uh, the situation that happened was um, I was in a role where there was a finance, uh, there was a finance department um, who needed support, who needed mentorship, but also needed some processes and someone to oversee the whole of that finance department. And um, I was given the task of recruiting for this particular role. And so I'd sent out, um, I'd sent out a job description and wrote out an advert. There were so many applicants um, because it was quite a popular place of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just sifting through these applications. I'd, um, I'd gone through so many rounds of telephone interviews and I just couldn't find um, a candidate who was meeting the expectations of the role. Until I ended up meeting and interviewing a candidate, um, a male individual. He didn't have the previous experience, ideally, that was related to this particular role. However, the previous role that he worked in, um, he demonstrated transferable skills and he gave examples very well of how he had added value mm. in those finance areas mm. to detail. Mm. And it was in that interview and the examples that he was giving that he gave rise to my colleague in a debrief to sharing with me saying, Bavna, I think this guy's great. Um, he's got A, B and C. I liked what he did here. I liked how he demonstrated this particular example. One thing that that we would probably need to be mindful of is that um, I think he might be OCD. Who said that? My colleague said that to myself. So I was in the interview process. Um, I was interviewing because I would be doing the selection, but I also, in interviews, you often have um, another person with you and uh, to often debrief, but also they were acting as my assistant. But anyway, I always had her in my interviews. And it's always great. When you're, when you're interviewing with another person because... Um, so this other person said, they made that remark? Yes. Okay. Yes. And my response to that was, I think that's an advantage because the specific role that we have, we're failing at the moment, the department's failing at the moment is because there isn't enough attention to detail. Processes are not being followed. 
that's one of the main reasons this wall has come up. There, there, there's no process being implemented. There's lack of attention to detail. And we need structure. And we're, we're struggling to have the, the team members in the finance team work to these structures. If we bring in someone who is, as you say, OCD, that's, exact, that, that, that's, that's a benefit. That's exactly what we play to. We basically use the fact that there's OCD here in this individual. And because let's say, for example, they, they, they take this job and the approach to that that they bring is of a very OCD alg. Well, that can only that can only benefit us. Okay. So what were the characteristics that made it give it that label? The characteristics was um, when he was describing uh, his uh, the situations that he'd been in. Yeah. Uh, they were, he described it um, and he was being very meticulous and he yes. was describing how he had been very meticulous and, yeah. on, and on more than one occasion, he also um, threw in that he is probably OCD. Oh, he said that. He, he said that he probably is. He said it in jest. Yeah. But at the interview, that's why he said it in jest. Right. And also, so I, ask, I often ask about, um, if I don't ask about it directly, I often try to gauge what their working style is. Mm. Um, to establish, you know, are they going to be, um, how, are you, how well are they going to be fitting into the existing team? What kind of energy are we going to bring to the team? How is, what is the dynamic they're going to bring to the role? And from that, from, from that answer, I, I, I also um, saw that this is an individual, when it comes to dotting the I's and crossing the T's, that he, he takes it to an absolutely different level. And it was that kind of level that I was looking for, for my finance team. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I agree. This is good. This is a good um, example then. Because I agree, you know, everybody's got a different style of communicating, learning and how they work. And it sounds to me like that person was highly logical, organized and structured, which is really a valuable skill for some roles. And you obviously recognize that for whatever that job was. Mm-hmm. How it's a problem which is what we talk about, is the, is the label because this is why it matters. So when people casually misuse terms for real mental health issues like OCD, it trivializes the conditions and the difficulties faced by those who have them. If others with mental health issues hear comments like this, this may make them feel belittled. Um, and, I, and I agree, I've, I've misused the term OCD like as a, I've used that term. Until I've really, you know, read more and things like this, I would I have in the past used those terms to describe myself even in some scenarios. The comment could also unfairly harm the candidate's chance of getting a job as it's a vague critique that's not tied to a job requirement. And I think that's really important then to make that distinction. It's about a style of working and is nothing to do with what we think OCD actually is. And so that's how it's kind of misused. And then I guess... Does that matter? He, you know, in your in your specific situation, he referred he misused the term himself. Yeah. I mean, unless he's actually been diagnosed with it. So that's an interesting one because it was actually how it how it eventually it was. I I did give him a job, and when after he joined, I was noticing that there was a strict routine that he was following mm-hmm. to the point um, where I had to have a conversation about um, working hours and breaks and so forth. Um, wasn't anything major, but it was definitely noticeable that it was almost on the dot. It was like a routine. 
at Groundhog Day. And yeah, and we had an open conversation about that. And that's when he did actually share that he hadn't been diagnosed, but that he was aware that when it comes to routine, he is very particular and it makes him feel nervous when a routine is broken. Mm. So, and, and, and again, I also, I, I actually, again, attributed that to, well, not attributed that, but I, again, suppose, saw more focus on the fact that we're in a workplace and as long as your job is being done and the fact that he, this routine that he lives by, he had implemented that in his work and we needed structure, we needed routine. And it also validated that I had made the best, I made the decision for the best person for this job. Yeah. Well, yeah. But the skills, we've got the right skills and they're working for the job, absolutely. But the point is about the misuse of the term when it's appropriate. I think it's an interesting one because when it goes to labelling, I think I've heard labelling being thrown around a lot and, um, and it is getting a bit out of hand. You know, when you're talking in jest about or being OCD or even being bipolar, for example, I've heard that a lot. And I think what's happening is that what I'm seeing now is that labels are just being misconstrued left, right and centre to a point where it's, it's such a blurred line and it's not really being taken seriously. Well, that's the point, isn't it? It's, it can be perceived that way, especially and even more so to someone who's suffered because of that having that disease or maybe it might not be them it might be their somebody they love or care about as have to suffer with that disease that can be debilitating and have so many negative effects on their life so to use so casually misuse so casually you can understand why that can hurt people Mm -hmm. offend make them feel belittled And, and i guess this is the point that we're trying to make here but also the fact that it's very vague critique and, you know, I, I actually, if I think, if I'm being honest, I would ask about what they meant by that because I would want to know what characteristics led to that kind of label. And I've been looking at characteristics and then knowing now what I know now, because I wouldn't have known it years ago, you know, that those characteristics point to a very specific style or, yeah, maybe he was diagnosed but it, with OCD, was, you know, I don't know, but then he would be having... The person would, ha- they would be the ones that would have to share that um, yeah. for that to be relevant. But anyway, it says, you could ask the person that said that, um, how does that relate to the job requirements? Go either way. It does, that's right. Yeah. Or let them know the language is problematic. You might not know this, but casually calling someone OCD can be harmful to people with mental health conditions. And then explain why. Um, and then you could, you could take it further with HR and asking them to raise awareness about mental health issues in general. And actually, that was something that happened for me because I was a manager, a people manager. I got the opportunity to do mental health first aid, to be trained in mental health first aid. And that led to changes in HR policies and also led to an awareness of things like that, how commonly misused and how it can make people living with other people or living with the health issue themselves feel when you misuse terms that way. So that's good. So you could talk to HR about training that encourages employees to use more inclusive language. Uh, To me, that just means not using exclusive language. Um, And why it happens. I suppose it's being um, considerate in the language you use full stop. Yeah, exactly. And just consider it in the things that come out of your mouth. 
generally, but anyway. So, so, so stop. Yeah, we'll stop. But many people are in the habit of using terms like OCD casually and inaccurately, rather than in reference to the real conditions they're meant to describe. This See, can... In that situation that I described, you know, the, my colleague, she, I can honestly say, I can confidently say, she called out the OCD in the debrief, not with any malice, not with, you know, her intention was honourable, um, respectful. And I, I don't think she would have been, she's a considerate person, and I don't think she would have crossed her mind I hardly think people that use it casually and using like with any malice anyway. You know, it's just because it's like saying, it's like people that say I'm not racist, but yeah, most of those people are, don't feel the racism, don't intentionally say or behave in a way intentionally that is racist, but they don't realize it is. And that's, and that's the point. They don't realize it is because they can't relate to that. And it's the same if you don't know someone that actually has OCD or you don't have it yourself, you can't maybe understand how it's offensive to use it casually or inaccurately. Yeah. I think what my colleague was saying was that he had OCD tendencies. Mm. Um, you know, is that a label? Well, you know, we're not here particularly to criticize your colleague, your situation may have been different to what this situation is describing. And then the reason they give for why people casually use it is that maybe it's because they don't realize how likely it is that someone around them at work has a mental health condition. Maybe it's unseen, not as visible. And they talked about stats, but these stats are in the US, but I actually looked the stats up because I did a training for a company um, on mental, not on stress specifically, on managing stress. And when I was delivering that workshop, I looked up stats on mental health uh, in Australia. So in the US, it's one in five workers have mental health conditions. But in Australia, it was very close. I think it was like one in four or one in five anyway. So it wasn't very different here. It says workers have that, but many don't disclose that at work. And it could be also because they haven't learned much about mental health issues. So I, that's, that's me. If anything out of that, I would promote a mental health first aid as um, something they should do in workplaces. And especially for HR, absolutely. I think HR, it should be mandatory. People leaders, it should. I think it should be mandatory, but something that should be promoted in workplaces. Is that for sure? For sure. <clears throat> And that's what we get from that. But you're people, right. People that casually, ADHD is another one that now, especially today, gets thrown around so casually. Or oh, I'm a bit ADHD. I hear yeah. that a lot. It, yeah. it, just, it, just, it, it does make me think about, yeah, the, the silent, what would you call them? Conditions. Yeah, the silent conditions that one has in the workplace. And how, how somebody... Uh, it's at the end of the day, it's as long as we can be considerate with the language we use. Yeah, and I guess some people, we just don't, maybe some people think it's over the, too much or over the top and they wouldn't speak if they have to think about every word they use. I can just imagine people um, thinking that and saying that. <clears throat> and I have to say, well, you know what? You're not always going to get it right. You're not always going to be able to be considerate. But... To be intentionally inconsiderate when you've been told this yeah. is going to offend someone, that's different. 
from unintentionally being, you know, from not realizing that that's offending someone, that's different. And so we're always going to get it wrong. Well, that's just the way it is. That's for life. Just try and get it better next time. We can do better next time. Yeah, it's a difficult one to navigate through. Sure, all and guilty of saying something not very considerate. I mean, this is not a comparison, but I could all the time I'm not very considerate. It's because I'm somewhere else. I'm not thinking about that. I remember once, <clears throat> really not comparing comparing the two, but just thinking, when is the time being where I've been really not my considerate self? I was in a lift with my mum. <clears throat> I'm getting out the lift and somebody held the door and we got out. And when we got out, my mum says, turns out to me to say, you didn't even say thank you <laughs> to me, right? She go proper telling me off. And this is me as an adult, not a child. Proper telling me off. And I'm just like, oh, well, no, and that's inconsiderate. And, and, I, and I'm very often inconsiderate. And it's not because I'm not a considerate person. It's because... I wasn't thinking, I was somewhere else. Why? Yeah, somewhere else at the time. So that's a really lame, I guess, a lame example. But we all have examples where we've not been considerate. Yeah. And I I think what I'm thinking of is I've actually been in the flip side. I've been on the other side of that where I do have a silent condition. It doesn't, fortunately for me, it doesn't impact my working ability and potential but it's there I'd rather not have it escalated and I'd certainly would not want my peers at work being reminded about you know the language that they use around this condition it just brings more highlight to something that I would just like to get on with my job for because it's different if it's personal to you that's different if you're the one you shouldn't have to be the one if it's about yourself I don't know because I don't really understand what you're talking about but and that's that's another part of it if if it affects you directly because this isn't this is not a scenario where it affects them directly shouldn't always have to be the one it's like to educate other people um and that's a separate thing from wanting to be not identify as whatever it is that's again separate that scenario about the OCD isn't talking about them, that person, a person that might have it and identifying it and being out, out of work about having that condition. Because you're right, they may not want that to be about them and who they are. And that's fine. This is about how it can feel when people trivialize it and they may overhear that. That's, that's more about what it is. It's about the misuse of using those kind of terms. It's very different from having to pull someone up on something that affects you personally and having to be the one to do that. Well, and I think I think it's important to 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 note that what that what that response article is saying is that it's it's notifying it on a general level. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. That's why I said mental health first aid. It's a general thing. Um, it's about the general idea of trivialising conditions by initiating them as casual things. It's very general. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what would you do? So this is in the in the context of hiring in the workplace again. Yeah. So you're hiring, you've got the candidates, and you your one of your colleagues says, This guy's gonna be great, he's got so much potential. And then you've got but this woman over this woman, 
who has proven experience in the role that you're recruiting for. Mm -hmm. So he's advocating for the man with potential over the woman with experience. Does it matter? What would you, what would you do? I would look up a bigger picture in that scenario of a man with strong potential versus a woman with proven experience. Because if there's a suggestion that the man should be hired, I'd be looking at a bigger picture in terms of, okay, on what basis, like what potential would the man be bringing to the role which this lady has not yet proven? That's not the context. The context is he's never done the role, but he's got potential to do the role and she's done the role. All right. Okay. All right. All right. I see. I see. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, in that case, it would be a case of why, why would we like, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Hmm. Why would you, why would you want to, why are we looking at, um, why, why are we looking at replacing a woman who's done, um, a fabulous job so far, but she's, you know, she's obviously proven herself and her skill set in this role. Oh, it's not the same role. It's more like she's got, she, maybe she came from another company doing the same job. So they're both going for the same job. Well, right. I see. Okay. 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 Oh, well, okay. See. And this guy's not done the job, but he's got potential. Yeah. This woman's done the job. Yeah. Got experience. Okay. Again, again, that'd be a bigger picture for me. So I'd be asking, okay, well, is it going to save us time and money? Um, if we're looking to save time and money, then that's great. Let's go for a woman because you know what? She can, it's hit the ground running. We don't, we don't have to worry about that. She's proven a skill set. She can, she can implicate um, uh, ideas and solutions and work practices, which she's clearly had success with previously. We don't have to worry about that. We're saving time and money. Whereas if we select the man, then we're going to be, it's more of, it's seen more as, as an investment. Like, what are we, are we looking to mold somebody in this role? Are we, you know, why would we be looking to put, um, invest more time and money into the, into the option with the person that happens to be a male in this option? So I'm not sure, Tracy, if this is actually, a gender-led query or situation, should I say? Because it could, let's turn it around and say, well, if there's an if there's a position and there's a woman with strong potential and a man who's got proven experience, I would also be saying the same thing. Let's look at the bigger picture. Okay. Well, what in what in what context would you pick somebody with potential over somebody with the actual experience? In, in a case whereby if I had, if I, if I was in a business where the business was, was, the business was looking to invest time and energy and money into, into a role whereby they wanted either some more input into the role, they wanted a change of direction in that role, or they wanted a new fresh pair of eyes, then it would be worthwhile seriously considering the person in this, in this situation, the male. Whereas a person who's, who's proven to do the role in, a, in another space, but has applied to this position, I'd be thinking, okay, well, if I don't have, if I don't have time and money, you know, I've got, I've got another area of business, which I want to focus on. This woman who's got the proven experience would be ideal because they can see, I can simply put her in a role and she can run with it. I can trust her. I can just basically just leave her, leave her to it because it's proven. Whereas a, a someone who, has, who hasn't done a role, but they have potential, you don't know what they're going to bring. You don't know how the dynamic of what they bring is going to alter all the other divisions in your organization. You don't even know which direction they're going to take, what kind of approach they're going to take. And that takes a lot of, a lot of, I suppose, that time and energy. 
And also, also you're sacrificing money in that. And so, you know, it's more of a sacrifice. And if you've got time and energy and that's where you you want your company to be heading, then yes, it's worthwhile seriously considering the male with the potential. But if you don't, if you want to save time and money and, and you want to invest in other parts of your business, then but it's a it's it's a no brainer to get somebody who's done a role before and has a proven proven success in that role and who's interested. Mm. So it's so for me it's not it's not gender driven because let's say we turn if I turn it around like I often do in these scenarios where I'm thinking okay well if that was a woman in the man's position and vice versa I would still be saying the same thing. Mm. Okay, that's that's interesting. So if I'm thinking I've not read the answers yet, but I'm thinking I'm hiring someone. Usually, unless it's a junior role, it's for me, the only reason you would hire someone with potential is if it's a junior role um, and as part of a promotion, right? And this is, no, this is not a promotion. So that would be, for me, that would be the only circumstances where I'd hire someone with potential. If it's a role where I want them to know what they're doing without, because if you hire someone with potential, it's a lot of, like you say, time, money, energy, because you still have to train them. I mean, you have to train everyone, but you still have to train them a lot of handholding if they've never done the job before. Versus, I need somebody who can do this job. This person's got experience, they're interested. This person's got potential and they're interested. To me, it's a no-brainer. You choose the person with experience, not with potential, unless it's a junior role. Because they're both going to bring fresh pair of eyes, regardless of potential or experience, because it's a different job. It's a you know, it's a more higher job or whatever. But, but it could, I don't, I don't, go on. Sorry, Tristan, but it could be. I mean, I know you mentioned about, oh, it's, it's, it's applicable to a junior position, but maybe not. Let's say I've been in lots of positions where, or lots of companies I've been in where they've, they've needed a head of a head of a division, you know, which includes, you know, that's executive leadership level. Yeah, yeah. And, and there has been lots of times when there's been external candidates who, who may not necessarily have, have led a division, but have had experience in leading and managing teams. Yeah, I get that. Their next step up. But then there's also um, interest from other divisions of different companies whereby it would be a sidestep when it's a different industry. So it's like, so they don't, so in that example, mm. which I find to be, so that's how I'm looking at it, is that it's somebody who has got potential, who's, who's probably ready for that. Yeah, I get, I get it. Your situation's right as well. I'm not saying you're wrong. What I'm yeah. saying is what situation would right. I go with the experience over potential or the two different situations? Like I said, if it was junior, yeah, well, I'm looking for somebody with potential. If it was, I want someone can do the job, I'm looking for somebody with experience. Yeah. So if we assume, because we don't know the context, so many bigger pictures, but the point that it's trying to make, let's assume this. This is for a job where you want somebody who knows what they're doing. Yet, the guy's advocating for someone with potential versus someone with experience. And if it was a common thing, but anyway, we don't know if it's a common thing. But anyway, why it matters? Because you're right, it depends on um, the strategy of the company. It depends on the person with potential. What skills do they actually have? Are they transferable? And maybe that's why they have potential. I don't know. Um, what does the answer say? The answer says, yeah. When a more experienced candidate is passed, passed up, and actually, I'll come back, I'll remind me to tell you a story after this. When a more experienced candidate is passed up 
in favor of someone with less experience, your company can miss out on valuable wisdom, talent, and skill. And in this case, the woman loses out on an opportunity that she's well suited for. Um, this is what to do. You could point out how experienced the woman is for the role and note the value of proven experience over potential. You might also take a moment to explain why it happens and why it matters. Longer term, it's worth recommending that everyone on your team aligns ahead of time on clear objective criteria, because it would depend on the criteria for the role, right? For open roles, then use them to evaluate all job candidates. This minimizes bias by making sure that every candidate is held to the same standard. Um, and then this one says, research shows that people often hire or promote men based on their potential, but for women, potential isn't enough. Women are often held to a higher standard and need to show more evidence of their competence to get hired or promoted. So that's where the example that's comes from. Because I think there's this, um, uh, I, don't, I can't remember where this research is from, but it's, it's quite commonly known actually that when women apply for jobs, they basically make sure that every box is ticked before yeah. they apply. Whereas men, even if they tick two out of the five boxes, they'll apply anyway. So yeah. that just goes to show that men inherently seem to have that, this, uh, I'm generalizing here, but that, that research shows the interviewing and the applications, that research yeah. shows that. It says that women are, they need to be certain, they need to be 100% yeah. They can do the role, and that's that eliminates potential. Whereas men can see that they can do A, B, and C, but may not be able to D and E, and they and they and they latch that onto potential and then apply. Yeah, and that's how the statistics that actually marries with this. As and and it's like the chicken and the egg. It's like is it the women know that that's how yeah. they're held to a higher standard, so they have to meet all the criteria. That's so true. that's is it because they know it, yeah. um, or is it because They've got some self-esteem issue. That's it. That's so, you know, it's like, well, which came first? That's so, right. Yeah. So that's that's why it matters. I also, how you are relating it to, Tracy. Yeah, is my dad. So he was working in a job where for years, and he became very good at this job, um, and so much so that he would start to train people new like graduates and things, he starts to train them in the job. Yeah. And he would constantly get overlooked for promotion to the extent where people he trained got promoted over him. And, and he believed it was discrimination. And so he sued the company. Now he didn't win. He decided to settle. So he settled and got a payout or whatever. So when they believe in it was racism or it wasn't, he thinks it was, and I'll assume it was, uh, because he had the experience and he was so much so that he could teach other people, um, but to constantly be overlooked. And he believed it was because he was black. Um, and that was why. And that was the attitude. So, which industry was this interesting? Oh, it was in like a printing industry. It was a long, okay. long time ago. Okay. So, and I mean, and then, you know, my dad will tell you stories of discrimination he faced when he um, was living in Britain in the... Was this, good, was this in the 60s and 70s that he had this experience in printing? Well, no, this would be in the 80s. The 80s, 90s, right. 80s, 90s. Because I'm thinking about how many... And, and in the printing industry, do you know, like, what sort of... Um, what we... What sort of percentage was... What percentage, but... Um, do you know 
how many other minorities or people of color were working in the printing industry in the 80s, 90s? In the general, no, it's not something I've ever researched. It's just the story he tells, he tells. Yeah. Um, and it stuck with me as well. And that's just an example. I, think, I feel kind of like it's similar to this. I'm not saying those people that got promoted didn't have potential, but they didn't have the experience. And so how, how do you justify that in certain situations? But like you, like it says here, like we said, you need to agree before you, you need to agree on the criteria of what's going to be perfect. And if you can do that before you even interview people. You can, yeah. you can already decide whether it's really good to have someone that maybe doesn't know the role so well, that has potential, or that whether you're really looking for someone with experience before you interview, then you can rule out that kind of bias yeah and also mm. as as an interviewer of a company if you're or of a role if you've got a idea about okay yes you know you want someone with more of a potential but you end up interviewing someone who's experienced ask those questions at interview about and you know be transparent in terms of okay this is what we were looking for how do you feel about this what could you bring to the table you know mm. or, or actually say you know oh we were actually we, we were we were initially thinking that this would be a role where you'd have potential for the right candidate. However, you've got quite a lot of experience. How would you cope with that? And, you know, where, where would you see the areas of, of opportunity and potential for you in this role? Mm. Yeah, good questions, for sure. So there you go. Good, com good combo. Well done. And then, yeah, you know, made me think about when I've hired people, um, I remember the last person I hired before I left my career was someone that purely hired on experience, purely. And actually they had the opposite problem in that this person had more experience than was needed, as in they're more senior, they was like a, you know, like a, um, they're coming down. Yeah. So, but that's not, as long as we're clear about what that's, what's happening, which we were, it's, to me, it's their decision. Yeah. Um, and which, and you know, which was the case, I feel they were, t they were torn between opportunity and yeah, but then again, you know, it's a risk cause they might leave, they might get a better opportunity and leave, but anyway, yeah. that was a, my decision yeah. making last time yeah. I hired someone. It sounds like it's a, it was a case of identifying where that person's ceiling of potential was and seeing whether or not they were, what seeing, hearing about whether or not, you know, what, how were they planning to push through? And smash through that ceiling of potential. Well, yeah, I mean that. Well, that that was the that was part of my job for very for like literally five minutes because I wasn't there much longer. Was okay. This person's overqualified, or got more experience than we need. Can we also offer her a, a plan of a you know more advanced role in the company? You know, what else is could there be in a couple of years' time or whatever? So there was all that to consider. But yeah. That was my last experience. I haven't needed to hire anyone since. But yeah. Good. All right, I'm going to let you go because I know you have a date. Yes, we'll see how that goes. Let's see if he turns up. Oh, don't say. Why, why would you even go with, go with that thought? Because, because I'm, I'm taking myself out. I mean, this is the approach I'm using. I'm taking myself out and then putting out an, uh, the open invitations in like, well, if you're, if you're available and free... And you're interested in joining me, then please do. Oh, so he didn't say that yes, was, I will. 
So how I'm doing it is, is I'm continuing on with what I normally do and then extending out saying, you know what, I'm doing this anyway. If you want to come along, it'd be great to find out more about you, an opportunity to for you to learn about me. So. Okay. So you're like, so you're kind of, I mean, I don't know what you plan. So say like, so it's kind of like, I'm going to be here having yeah. a, doing this thing. Um, if you want to come and meet me there, that'd be great. Up to yeah. you. But did he say, yes, I'll come? Yes. So in a sense that, because it turned out, and I suppose um, uh, it's by coincidence that, that what I'm, what I'm going to be doing this afternoon, I, I normally do anyway. And it turns out like it's very similar. It was very near to where he lives. Right. And so it's, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's easy. It's, uh, yeah. And so we'll see. So in other words, if he doesn't turn up, that's fine because I'm still, I still would have done the activity anyway, but no, um, okay. it's um, and we'll see what happens. All but right. I, you post it. I'll let you know how it goes in our next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!